Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. Life coach Linda Mbagwu had a difficult start in her own childhood. At eight, she was working to boost the family's income. Later, the pressure that she put on herself to succeed, as well as a failed relationship, led to anxiety and depression. Linda learned techniques to keep herself grounded and reframe her thinking, including meditation. As a coach, she believes that everyone deserves to reach their full potential and get through challenging situations to the next level of the game of life. I left Nigeria when I was six years old and my mum moved to London with me and my two sisters and brothers. So she went from being with lots of family to being on her own and we also came from a really prominent background. But the reason we moved is because my dad was having some issues with his businesses and he wasn't educated and his biggest fear was that if we stayed in Nigeria and he lost everything, we wouldn't have access to an education. So he moved us over because my mum was a citizen knowing that by at at the minimum level that we would get access to education Um, and it was tough so my mum really struggled to support her she didn't have any support she um, was a teacher in Nigeria and um, her qualifications didn't allow her to just go into a teaching role so she had to supply teach which meant that sometimes there was money and sometimes there wasn't Um, and she got herself into a lot of debt so Bailey's came and pretty much cleared the house. So I remember us just living and it was just an empty vessel of a house. There was no furniture, no toys, no TV, no anything, but we didn't really feel it because mum made it fun. So we used to spend a lot of time bonding together as a family. And um, then she met, she ended up breaking up with my dad because he didn't come over for four years and she just didn't think that that was, what a marriage should look like. Um, And then she remarried, but three months after she remarried, her second husband became schizophrenic. So we went from having no male in the house to having a mentally ill man in the house. So it was a really volatile home. And um, because she was focused on taking care of him, I stepped up to the role of um, mother. And I started working at the age of eight years old I, because um, we, we would go without food and I would sit there thinking, how can I help? What can I do? And I used to braid my sister's hairs and when they would leave the house, the, um, their friend's parents would see the, the hairstyles and ask them who did it and they'd say my sister and I'd get asked to do their children's hair and they'd give me five pounds here and there and I would babysit sometimes kids that were older than me but I was mature for my age because of the role I was playing at home and I'd also get money for that. The homelessness was later on in life so I went to university I was working 40 hours a week to look after my family while studying and then when I came back I got a job And then through my um, professional career, I worked for a corporate recruitment organization, a boutique, a startup. And then at the startup, I um, got the ultimatum to either keep my opinions to myself or decide whether it was the best place for me. And I didn't think that that was a choice. I decided to leave. And at that moment, I made the promise to myself that I'd never work for anyone again because I didn't want to give anyone the power to um, put me in that position. Um, But four months before that, 
I was in a relationship and I was due to get married and I um, ended the wedding four months before the wedding day. So I went from be about to get married in this job where I had equity in a business to no job, no marriage, um, no partner living by myself. And I had to move in with my mum, but I had slipped into depression and this, I had a lot of resentment built up t from her because I was blaming her for not having a childhood. So our relationship was very volatile. We were arguing all all the time when I didn't think it was helping my well-being so I actually moved out and moved into my car because I thought living in my car was better than living at home and that's how I started my business I still kept the promise to myself that I wouldn't get a job and I would go to the coffee shop and make calls and when I was working at the boutique company um, I was the youngest that was employed to work there and I had all of these expectations put on myself that I needed to be as good or better than everyone that was there and I had nine months experience and they all had a minimum of five years plus so it was it was unrealistic at the time but I was um, being hard on myself I would go to work with a lot of anxiety I would work way too much I wasn't sleeping started suffering from insomnia and then um, um, I went I just started crying for no reason and it was uncontrollable and I would have to run out of my desk to the toilet and it, it started being picked up on and the CEO was a person who diagnosed me as like, dep um, depressed he took me to have a coffee and he asked me what was wrong and as soon as he asked me that question it was just waterfalls and I said I don't know I don't know why I'm crying I can't stop and um, he said I think you're depressed and my automatic reaction was I'm not weak I'm not depressed and he said it's not a weakness it's like um, breaking your leg it's just something is broken and it needs time to heal and he actually gave me time off he gave me three months off to and paid for me to get some cognitive behavioral therapy to get better and in that time I was able to get better. I saw a, a workplace psychologist and he said that it's unusual to slip into depression that quickly and come out that quickly, but he felt that I was okay. And then it was a year later when all of this stuff happened with losing the job and um, my uh, walking away from the relationship and living in my car. And at that point, it I knew I never wanted to feel how I felt before. So to me, the only way out was um, trying to kill myself. So while I was at my mom's house, I did attempt um, to have an overdose and I was caught at two o'clock in the morning by my sister, rushed to hospital. And um, when I came out of hospital, I realized that I needed to do something because staying in the household and having the relationship with my mom was too stressful. And it was, if I had, stayed in that situation, I probably would have taken my life. So that's why I moved to my car. When I had the suicide attempt, um, one of my brother's friends called me and he called me at a time where I was really kind of manic and um, stressed and crying. And I was driving on the motorway and I think I got to about Birmingham and he said, where are you going? I said, I don't know, I'm just trying to drive to calm down. And he said, come back to London and whatever time you come back, um, come and meet me. And it was about 3 a.m. And I met up with him and he said, drive to Tottenham and he took me to Tottenham and he made a phone call and a Rastafarian man came down and he did a breathing exercise with me. He told me to breathe in for th the count of um, five, hold it for the count of five and then slowly let it out. And I, it was like magic. I just felt better and I was like, what did you do? And he just smiled and he started speaking to me. And then he worked with me. He, he stayed on the phone with me for about five hours a day just listening to me and coaching me and helping me 
kind of see some of the beliefs that I had made in the past that were not serving me anymore and how that was um, affecting the thoughts I was having and therefore the feelings I was having. And that's when I really started doing the work. And meditation is a massive thing. So my mom introduced me to meditation when I was 11 years old. Um, and I've been meditating since then. And I realized that in the time I did fall into depression, I had stopped meditating. So having that constant practice, so I meditate daily, um, minimum 20 minutes a day, if not an hour. Um, and it really helps keep, keep me grounded and allows me to monitor the thoughts that I'm having. And I, it, I tend to not engage with negative thoughts as much as I would have before. And I see a difference if I miss med um, a meditation session in the morning because I'm, I'm rushing to get to work. I see the difference in my day because it's, um, I'm unable to be still and be grounded and present. I had this um, perception that I was unlovable and that belief ca came because of the role I was playing in my family. So because I was the caregiver and I didn't feel like I was being cared for, I didn't feel like I deserved care. So um, it's, the, it's kind of interesting the beliefs that we create and we believe to be true and then you find out that it's actually the contrary. I've got loads of people who love me so um having a community having meditation um exercising i do sing um i used to write music and actually perform but now i just i'm a car and bathroom singer so that still makes me happy what i am committed to is that this makes me emotional <laughs> everybody in the world deserves to reach their full potential and to understand that they can achieve anything they want if they um, are able to identify beliefs that they have made in the past that are stopping them from being who they want to be in the present. So my commitment now when I'm working with organizations is how can I use my personal experience uh, um, in terms of the journey that I've been through the experience I've had with coaching people, my recruitment experience and my business experience to create holistic organizations that do achieve business success, but also create environments that fulfill the emotional needs of their people so that they can bring their best selves to work. So, so I went back to Nigeria when I was 25 and I met family and the view of who I was as a child um, surprised me because apparently I was really fragile. I used to cry about everything. I was a daddy's girl. I'd cling around his neck and wouldn't let him go. And um, so my dad actually thought that he would have to marry me off because I was gonna be useless. <laughs> and then life hit. I came to the UK and we were put into a situation where we were in extreme poverty and we were struggling and I felt like I had to step up to the plate. So I um, do think that there's a gift in challenging situations and I've learned that those challenging situations come to us so that we can get to know different parts of ourselves that we wouldn't have known had it not been from for those situations. So if we are able to keep open and keep expanded despite the challenges that we're facing we will get to the other side and we will get to the other side with a whole set of toolkits so i usually say that um i feel like life's a game and there's lots of different levels and to get to the next level it gets harder and it's all about you staying in the game and figuring out okay well what do i need to do different what skill do i need to learn is there a hack and as soon as you're able to to master that you will always be able to pass that 
that level. So you actually expand yourself as a human being. So um, what I've learned is to kind of welcome challenges that present themselves because it just is a new opportunity for me to get to the next level of life. Thanks for listening to this Head Talks podcast. We hope you found it helpful and interesting. You can find many more talks on our website at headtalks.com or listen to our podcasts on all the usual channels.